You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, back at it now. Took Monday off, needed to recover after the storm and not have an AC at the house. Just a little too hot to record, but we're back now. It is cooled off here in the Locked On Pelicans household. We got to recap the final two games of Summer League. Yes, that miracle run, magical run, whatever you want to call it for Pelicans fans is over, and it was a lot of fun. So there were two games in the playoffs. You had the quarterfinals, then the semifinals, where the Pelicans did fall to the Memphis Grizzlies by a point in overtime, unable to make it to the championship game for Summer League late last night. That's okay. We will recap everything from those two games, talk a little bit more about Summer League and its importance, while also tempering some of the expectations from what you saw out there, echoed by David Griffin on the broadcast on Sunday night. But overall, a very fun time. Also catch you up on a few other pieces of news and notes around the league. I've also got an interesting clip to play for you guys from Locked On Rockets about Russell Westbrook and the trade that sends him alongside James Harden there in Houston. Pretty interesting as the NBA apparently never sleeps. So hope you stayed safe and dry and there's no bad news for you, but let's dive into it in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So Saturday night, the Pelicans took on the Miami Heat in the uh, quarterfinals of the Summer League playoffs, that round of eight. The Pelicans prevailed 101-100, winning by a point in overtime. Two-minute overtime, by the way, is the most awesome thing ever. And this was basically the Nikhil Alexander-Walker show. The Pelicans guard put up 34 points on the night, 9 of 21 shooting, 5 of 12 from deep. He also got to the free throw line 14 times. And this goes along with five assists, five rebounds. He did have six turnovers and four steals. He was awesome in this one. And for a guy who missed out on the first two games of Summer League, and I'll tell you why that's actually somewhat important and why this deal and trade wasn't going to get delayed anymore so because there is value with everything going on in Vegas. And I'll explain that probably in the third segment. This guy looked outstanding and looked like one of the better players in Summer League. I don't know if he's the Summer League MVP. I don't even know how they kind of vote on that because that's not really something we normally pay attention to here. But this dude was awesome. Again, 9 of 21, 5 of 12 from deep. Basically, you look at his shot chart and it is hyper efficient. Getting to the rim or shooting threes and not a ton of mid-range. He has some, but he also shows he has a bit of a mid-range game. And every concern we had about this guy in terms of the athleticism, the drive, the competitiveness, those were the biggest things, have kind of been eased. As Jim and I talked talked about in Friday's show, that was the big concern, but you see this guy finishing around the rim with his left and right hand, basically being ambidextrous, showing off passes with both his left and his right hand, and he's right dominant, is a pretty impressive thing to see. He was outstanding in this game and kind of did everything. You're seeing a little bit of the weaknesses there from him, the areas to improve, but this is also to be expected of a guy who's kind of playing the lead guard role for a team maybe he wasn't expecting to play the lead guard role 
goal for. And that's the, the six turnovers. Other passes throughout Summer League have been where, yeah, they probably could have been turnovers too. So overall, though, there's not really much to complain about, all things considered. Jackson Hayes in this one, 15 points, 12 boards on the night, hyper efficient. He was 7 of 15 uh, from the field. Didn't get to the free throw line really at all. Just two shots from there. Overall, you'd like to see him be a little bit more aggressive getting those fouls. But I think teams have kind of learned how to defend him a little bit in Summer League. And we saw this happen last year too with Trevon Blewett, where he was great the first two games. And then you show up on the game plan and film and then they try and take you out of it. And I think you're seeing a little bit of that with Hayes, though he still had some highlight reel plays, and he's been very good overall. He does foul a little bit too much, and this was an issue particularly against Memphis, and we'll talk about that when we talk about that game. But that's going to be a concern and something that will keep him from getting minutes during the regular season, though I think we have a much better idea of what he's going to be doing with this club next season. Didi Silva also okay in this one. Two of nine from the field. The shooting wasn't there. Five points on the night. Three assists. Three turnovers. Overall, though, still, you've liked what you've seen from him. And a lot of the stuff that he does doesn't jump out in the stat box to you. But he was pretty good. Kenrich Williams really also led the team. 17 points on the night. Seven rebounds. Just one turnover. Grabbed a steal, too. Was eight of 13 from the field. You'd like his shooting to be a little bit better. I think that leaves some to be desired. He hasn't really shown off a consistent three-point shot throughout Summer League. But the dude got to the rim and to the paint in this one. And if you're not hitting those threes, well, at least drive and attack. And he did that. And he's been a standout player all summer league long, really leading this team, more or less just solidifying his spot on the team next year. So overall, great night from him in the win for New Orleans. Other guys maybe that kind of jumped out was Aubrey Dawkins in this one, three of six from the field. He basically just took threes, hit three of them in route to 11 points on the night. He's kind of a gunner and likes to go a lot of hero iso ball, which isn't the best. Um, and it's maybe a good game for, for the G League team. He's on that Exhibit 10 deal where you'll see him down there next year. Uh, so hopefully he sticks around, shows some scoring potential, not anything that's going to get him a two-way deal necessarily or get him on this roster next year, but he kind of had a pretty decent game in the Summer League uh, quarterfinal as well. So we're going to get to the semifinal game against the Memphis Grizzlies coming up here in a moment. And this game was particularly interesting because you saw your baby pals here struggle quite a bit. Before I do that, though, I do want to make sure you guys are subscribing to Locked on Pelicans. We're here normally Monday through Friday for you, all, at least during the regular season. We'll be slowing the podcast down a little bit as we start to hit kind of the dead period of the summer, which is more or less starting this week. But here Monday through Friday normally to cover everything you want to know about this team, every Everyone wants to know more about the Pelicans right now, so share it with your friends. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. And please, when you get a chance, leave a five-star review. So the semifinal game against the Memphis Grizzlies unfortunately ended the Summer Pels' magical run, an 88-86 to loss in overtime again. Two-minute overtime is absolutely fantastic. Also, they basically have fewer timeouts. They just let them play. Uh, a disappointing end for the Pelicans, but overall, I think you count Summer League to be 
a gigantic success. Even with the struggles that their guys had in this game, and believe me, they did. It was a slog. Summer League games being 88 to 86 in overtime are quite low scoring. So let's start with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who's basically been the hero for the Pelicans this Summer League play. Struggled in this one. He was 5 of 23 from the field, 21.7%, 2 of 7 from deep, only got to the line two times, did grab seven rebounds, had five assists, only three turnovers, which for him is actually pretty good in summer league, and put up 14 total points. Though you felt like he was just defended differently, and it's about time, but this is what happens when you're good at something. Teams start to game plan for you. You go look at his shot chart, and it is not what we've seen from him whatsoever. He basically couldn't get to the rim. And he missed a couple of easy, not easy layups, but a couple of finger rolls layups at the rim that he normally would have scored, which would make this look a little bit better. And you know what? It's bound to happen at times. But for the most part, the Memphis Grizzlies defended him well and forced him into a lot of mid-range jumpers. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 13 mid-range jumpers, basically not close to the restricted area. Even those long paint jumpers aren't always the best. So it was a much more inefficient game for him. And you can kind of see the limitations that he has a little bit. When you're defended well, it's tough for him to be able to get around those guys and get to the rim, though he can. And it's something he'll probably struggle with at times in the NBA, which again, he's a rookie. It's entirely okay. This is not a big deal. But you saw some more of the limitations there trying to create his own shot. He can get it off. I just don't know if they're necessarily good looks. And that's really where he struggled in this one. Defensively, was pretty good. He overall was summerly. You got to be pretty thrilled. Jackson Hayes was a guy who looks like he had a pretty decent game, but he was limited in this one. Four or five from the field, all at the rim. Nine total points on the night, grabbed six boards. But here's the thing. He had four fouls in this one in late in the game, in regulation and in overtime. The Pelicans weren't playing him because they were trying to win. And he out there was a liability on the defensive end and on the offensive end, too. This was a guy who didn't get his jumper going, and we haven't seen a ton of it throughout Summer League. But you need someone to maybe space the court a little bit more for your guards who are trying to score and drive. And he's not that guy right now. And it's not a guy who's going to be closing games for the Pelicans during the regular season anywhere remotely. Defensively, he fouls a little bit too much. There was one phantom call on him where he went straight up and they blew it, but whatever. But you could see he was out of place a little bit more so than normal. I think the Memphis Grizzlies did a good job of game planning how to kind of work around him, but did a very good job of making him almost a non-factor. So a little bit disappointing to see that from him. But again, he's a rookie. It's what it's going to happen. It's no big deal. But you're starting to see their limitations really hit them in this one. As a whole, the Pelicans didn't shoot particularly great, no matter what. But when these guys are being defended well and missing, that's not a good thing. Kenrich Williams in this one, pretty good too, though. Uh, 5 of 14 from the field, so not a good shooting night. But did put up 10 points, grabbed 11 rebounds, got some assists, grabbed 3 steals, just kind of did everything you need him to do. But the scoring really wasn't there. But overall, 
ball. He, he was trying to defer to others, I think. I'm not really worried about his play. Didi Silva was the big standout, I think, for the Pelicans in this game. 6 of 12 from the field, 2 of 7 from deep, 14 points on the night. Basically attacking the basket or trying to shoot threes. That efficient shot selection that we've seen from him in summer league so far. There was a stretch late in the fourth where he just took over and basically helped this team erase a 10-point deficit to get back into it. So overall, a very, very good game from him. Trevon Blewett woke up. He had a good shooting night. 6 of 11, 3 of 6 from deep. Finished with 16 points on the night to go along with 5 rebounds. He's just so slow and does not move well out there on a basketball court that I see why he's not on a new two-way deal with the Pelicans just yet. Though his shooting at least woke up. I just don't know what he's going to offer you other than being that stationary court spacer for the team. I just don't know if you use a roster spot or even a two-way spot on someone that you just kind of see what they are. Good game. I just don't see the future there. Um, Speaking of guys with future and maybe a bit of a concern with that Aubrey Dawkins went full on hero ball every time he was out there en route to going one of six from the field just two points overall just an inefficient night for New Orleans 37.4 percent from the uh from the field when you shoot that poorly not that Memphis shot much better you're probably going to lose games and New Orleans did but overall again still good performances from these guys and they were bound to struggle in one but after playing so well in summer league you have to be pretty happy with it also it was a back-to-back. They've been playing a lot recently. You could see maybe tired legs out there. And for guys who weren't with the team from when they were drafted leading up to Summer League, working out, doing all of those different things, that's definitely a bit of a concern. So I'm going to talk about that in the next segment and why that's so important and why the Summer League as a whole is only going to make these guys better because of the way New Orleans is approaching it. We're going to also play a clip. I'll probably play that first looking at the Russell Westbrook, James Harden thing, because I found it really interesting for what's supposed to be a wide open West. So we'll talk about all of that coming up in just a second. But before we get to all of that, don't forget, subscribe to Locked on Pelicans, share it with a friend. There's nothing worse than your friend who pretends he knows about basketball, but actually doesn't. And he keeps trying to tell you about it. Not a good thing. Get them clued into what's going on. Get them subscribed to the Locked On Pelicans podcast. Subscribe yourself. Leave a five-star review. We are here Monday through Friday breaking down everything you want to know about this team. So before we talk a little bit more about Summer League, going to play a clip from Locked On Rockets for you looking at the Russell Westbrook trade. It's really interesting from a variety of reasons, none the least of which is probably actually the on-court stuff. And how do you integrate Russell Westbrook and his style to what James Harden and the Houston Rockets do? I think it's kind of fascinating and it's a wide open West. And is this going to create maybe more issues? And does that potentially open a playoff spot for the Pelicans next season? So we've got Ben DeBose who hosts the Locked On Rockets podcast here with a clip. Plus he's got Matt Moore at HP Basketball of the Action News Network talking about it with him. It's kind of interesting. (laughs) sorry, as they talk about rebuilding the Houston Rockets offense. What are the things that they need to do differently to optimize this for us? I think they got to rebuild the offense from scratch. I really do. I mean, I just think when they trade for Chris, uh, I was initially like, oh boy, I don't know if this is going to work or not. But then like, I talked myself into it pretty quickly. Um, and then like, I talked to Mike D'Antonio over the summer. I was lucky enough to get a phone call with Mike. And I asked him about the whole process. And he's like, I'm not really honestly that worried about that. Like, These are two really great players. They're going to figure it out. I just got to not get in the way. And they did. 
it's just that Chris, you could, Chris and Harden are similar. They're both brilliant passers. They're both efficient shooters. Um, they don't possess like otherworldly athleticism in terms of explosiveness. Like Harden's really athletic, but not to the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's not just gonna like he's not gonna like jump from four feet out and dunk all everybody. Is my point. Um, they're similar in a lot of ways, and so you could use the isolation offense in order to kind of like maximize what they're capable of doing. Russ is just so different from everything else. Like he's just so different. Like he doesn't shoot threes great. He does a healthy amount of mid-range stuff. He isos, but he also likes running pick and roll. That's his bread and butter. I don't think they have to start necessarily from scratch in terms of like they got to build some sort of weird. It's not like adding like the Coley Jokic or Carl Anthony Towns, but it is like I think one of the things is they transitioned away from okay, we're gonna run Harden um, Capella pick and rolls fifty times a game to oh, we're gonna run Harden Capella pick and rolls like. 20 times a game, but mostly we're going to use it to get ISOs, and we're mostly just going to isolate all the time. I think if they just go back to, we're just going to run spread, pick, and roll. Um, we're going to play up-tempo. I think that's one of the biggest keys. Is like they got to play, I firmly believe, they got to play more up-tempo. James should be able to do that because he's not going to have the offensive load that he has had the last few years because uh, Russ has got to get touches, and Russ is going to get shots. So like that should allow him to be like, all right, let's let's get up the floor just a little bit. Um, I don't necessarily know that you got to go full on fast pace, but you do at least have to give do a little bit more up tempo. And to be honest, that's been one of Russ's problems too. Is like Russ is either in a fast break or he's walking the ball up, and like there's got to be a medium ground there of you got to play up tempo. You got to get a little bit more motion into the offense so that's not Russ throwing himself against a four-player brick wall trying to find a shooter, and that you can find a, a few more deviations, a little more subtleness, a little more nuance in the offense. This is good, just going to be a lot more delicate, I think, than Harden and Chris were. So thanks to Locked On Rockets for giving us that clip. Oh boy, do you guys feel confident about that team? No, neither do I. So we'll see how that goes. I find that whole trade Smart for both teams, but also bad for both teams, and I get it. They both just kind of had to do something. It's one of the more intriguing things, and it's going to be a really intriguing story, at least to me, throughout the regular season. Going back to the Pelicans, though, Summer League just wrapped up. We had, we didn't have it, but David Griffin was on the broadcast on Sunday night talking about Jackson Hayes and how the original plan was, in fact, to kind of redshirt him this year. Really just stick him with the G League, get him some playing time, not really put him into NBA moments, but thinks that might have changed a little bit. And I think that was kind of the plan for all of these guys, including Alexander Walker, but they've played so well in summer league. It makes you intrigued to see what they can do. I've been asked a lot about this. Has their roles changed? I was on fourth down on four the other night on WWL TV, and I was asked about it there too. And I said, I think it's going to depend how the season goes. So one, there's a lot more depth to this team than we've had before. We haven't even talked about the three guys coming over from the Lakers yet and what they're going to do in the rotation. We've just been looking at the summer league guys. There's three established NBA guys who are going to be getting significant minutes in Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart, who, by the way, are being introduced today at the Pelicans facility. I'm going to try and make it. I don't know if I'll be able to, but of course, we'll recap that tomorrow, and it gives us a good excuse to really dive into how they're going to fit with this team and what their roles will be and what to expect from them. So that's coming in the next couple of days and probably the rest of this week as we'll really focus on those guys. But because of that, these rookies that the Pelicans have, 
excluding Didi Silva and maybe Zion, so really Alexander Walker and Hayes, weren't going to get a ton of playing time, but they've looked good. They've shown off NBA skill sets, though their limitations that they've played, outplayed, are still readily apparent at times, are going to get a minutes in there. But David Griffin is walking back the expectations that fans are setting, which I don't think is what the team has in mind. So keep that kind of in there too. The Summer League was really valuable, and I'll tell you why. Not just to see them go and dominate those guys. That's fine. They should have been doing it. It's kind of the minimum expectation we had for us to feel kind of good about these players. It's that everybody was out there in Vegas associated with this team. Griffin was out there, Gentry and the rest of the coaching staff all out there in Vegas. But more importantly, Aaron Nelson and the training staff and all of that was out there in Vegas. This gives them a big jump on how to keep these guys healthy and improving during the regular season. Are they tired after games? Do you need to tailor their program a little bit more to that or from that? And all of that is unbelievably valuable. All of these guys are going to be given individual plans. Every single guy on the team is going to be given an individual plan on how to keep their body rested, healthy, where they need to keep improving, what type of exercises or practices or trainings do they need to work on. That's hugely valuable. And getting these guys in that program now and seeing where some of their vulnerabilities, let's not call them flaws because they're body things, vulnerabilities maybe, is really important. Now these guys, the, the training staff has a ton of data to work with to customize that program and to help get these guys ready for the opening night of the regular season and before that training camp. We're hitting a dead period, but people are going to be at the facility working out and now they're going to have a customized plan on what to do. These guys didn't have that before coming into Summer League. They weren't technically officially part of the team. Same thing for guys like Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, and all of them. This is really, really good to have, and it really gets them integrated to the Pelican system earlier and just gets their bodies more prepared for the NBA. That to me, and getting the training staff that data from watching these guys perform, see where they can help them improve, is maybe better than all of the on-court results that the team has had. And David Griffin talked a little bit about this on Sunday. Also said Zion for sure will be in New Orleans working out with the training staff and the coaching staff and the medical staff and everybody here as they're going through renovations right now in the Oshner Sports Performance Facility. I forget the name. Um, So it's good to see that this is kind of a complete thing, top to bottom, what this team's doing and getting the data on these guys. Again, to me, that is the biggest thing that I think you can take away from Summer League, that these guys will be more ready on day one than they would have been had you not kind of had all of this stuff. So it is a very worthwhile investment for New Orleans and making their players and their team better for next season. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. We'll be recapping the Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball press conference tomorrow where David Griffin will also be speaking. Going to be a good time and we can start to talk a little bit more about those guys as we should get some more answers regarding what their roles and stuff are going to be with the team. So thank you all for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review, and please send the link to one of your friends. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter and I'll be back with you all tomorrow.